Today's episode of the Women's Sports Matter podcast is sponsored exclusively by Haya. Coaches, are you looking for a better way to communicate with your team? Haya is a simple communication and scheduling app for sports teams. Haya allows coaches to cut down on emails and texts to save a ton of time on team admin. 180,000 teams have signed up for the app, which allows coaches, parents, players, and volunteers to easily communicate and organize practices and games. Do yourself a favor by downloading Haya for free by typing H-E-J-A in the App Store. Thank you again to Haya for exclusively sponsoring today's episode. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to read you the press release from the NWSL Players Association about the newest and first ever CBA in NWSL history. NWSL PA ratifies historic first CBA in women's soccer history. Tonight, the NWSL Players Association ratified the first ever collective bargaining agreement in NWSL history. Subject to approval by the NWSL Board of Governors, players will report to preseason camp tomorrow, which is today, February 1st, if you're listening on the day that I posted, with the safety, security, and protections of a collectively bargained contract that sets NWSL on a positive trajectory for the future. From our inception, the Players Association has put players first said President Tory Huster. Our mission in this historic CBA was to put this same philosophy at the center of NWSL's future. With the amount of care and attention that we have given this process since fall 2020, we are proud that players can confidently enter the 10th season of the NWSL in a better position than ever before. More than 30 current NWSL players devoted hundreds, perhaps more than a thousand hours to securing this landmark agreement. The strength, resilience, and solidarity of this extraordinary group of players and people is what secured this landmark agreement, said Executive Director Megan Burke. Players drove every decision in this process. More than 40 bargaining sessions, these players stood strong and stood together right up in the moment of ratification. This is a historic moment not only for our sport and our league, but for all working people who stand up and stand together. Just a few of the major wins of the CBA include compensation, 160% increase in minimum salary to $35,000 with 4% year-over-year increases, stepladder increases in 2022 salaries to protect players above the minimum in 2021, 401k plan with matching contributions from league commencing in 2023, and minimum standards for housing stipends. Free agency. Free agency starting in 2023, if you've played in the league for six years or more. Free agency starting in 2024, if you've played in the league for five years. Restricted free agency starting in 2024, if you've played in the league for at least three years. Four-week severance pay and 30 days housing and health insurance for waived players. Player safety. Robust workers' comp coverage. Up to six months paid mental health leave. Eight weeks paid parental leave birth, or adoption, clean private nursing facilities for parents, professional minimum staffing standards for healthcare professionals, no more playing on fields that require substantial conversion to the dimensions of a soccer field, aka no more baseball fields. The NWSLPA will make the entirety of the ratified collective bargaining agreement publicly available on its website in the coming weeks. The NWSLPA is grateful to our brothers and sisters in the labor movement who paved the way for us to get here and to our fans and partners for their unwavering support. We want to especially thank our legal team, 
of Deb Willig, Jessica Cajano, and Larry Goodman of Willig, Williams, and Davidson. There is no one else we would would have wanted to spend more than 400 hours on a Zoom with. Happy birthday, Deb. To the players who came before us, we stand on your shoulders. We hope we made you proud. That is what the email said, and if you want to learn more, you can go to the NWSL Players Association website, which is always linked down below in the resources section of my description for every single episode. Now, let's go on to today's interview. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Women's Sports Matter podcast. My name is Gianna Castro, and I am your host. This is my last interview at the United Soccer Coaches Convention in Kansas City, Missouri. That means I'm finally going home. I'm going back to the wonderful cold weather in Illinois. Shame on shame on Illinois and the, <laughs> the Midwest weather. The winter sucks. School is starting soon for me. That's awesome. I get to graduate in May though, so that's woo yay. No. Um, before I wrap up this season, we have one final guest on this show. Would you like to introduce yourself, please? Hi, everybody. My name is Erin McLeod. Uh, this is actually my first convention that I've ever been to. Um, it's fantastic for any of those of you who've been here. Um, it's really fantastic uh, for coaches, for athletes, for everyone. Uh, a lot of networking, a lot of learning. It's it's really cool showcase of talent across the, the U.S. And me personally, I've been to four FIFA Women's World Cups. I've been to three Olympic Games. I have a bronze medal from the 2012 Olympics. I'm in the Canadian Olympic Hall of Fame. I have a gold medal from Tokyo. And on top of that, um, I've co-founded with my partner, uh, Dr. Rachel Lindvall, the Mindful Project, which pairs personal development with with mindfulness. Uh, on top of that, I'm also um, an activist and quite um, outspoken when it comes to uh, the queer community and rights, human rights. It's a lot of great stuff. This is also my first convention, um, which I'm very thankful to be invited to this. This is my first sports-related convention. So that's pretty pretty damn cool. Um, well, you already took away one question about what the project was. I want to know more specifically why you started the Mindful Project. Yeah, of course. Um, I think it's funny when you're surrounded by a lot of coaches um, that are closer to my age than the people I play with. Um, you know, they talk about all the things they know now that they wish that they knew when they were younger. And of course, um, I'm no different. I remember when I was in the 2008 Olympics and I was out with the torn ACL in the middle of that tournament and I acted like it was the end of the world, but, um, I had become so anxious in games. I had such bad performance anxiety because I obsessed over mistakes and, um, it became, um, un, it was no longer enjoyable. And, um, it was something that if I was more aware at an earlier age, I could have, um, figured out a way to help my mind work for me instead of against me. Um, so this is kind of how the process started. I recognize that how we see mistakes is a choice and we, we develop that mindset and how we see mistakes as early as three and a half years old. Um, so the possibility of maybe not having to unlearn all these things that we say to ourselves when we're horrible to ourselves when we make mistakes, um, the idea of helping kids with growth mindset and, and how to practice self-compassion, which develops grit, which helps you to learn faster and all these things. Uh, that was kind of the starting point. And then I had a huge moment in my career, 2012, uh, leading up to the London Olympics. I worked with a fantastic sports psych who basically was like, 
help me because I knew I had performance anxiety, which is when you're thinking about the past or you're thinking about the future and you're not in the present moment. And he had all these wonderful techniques to get me into the present moment, uh, which I didn't know was mindfulness at the time. Uh, and I learned that that's what it was. And it became so wonderful. And I learned so many effective tools that help keep me in the moment. And I, there's still tools that I use today um, in sport and also out of sport. So for me personally, that's how it started. My business partner has her doctorate in mindfulness research. When she was in the middle of her doctorate, we were like hanging out, chatting about how we would obviously change the world. <laughs> and, um, and then the Mindful Project was born. We thought of ways that um, athletes could figure out how their, you know, what their mental habits are, that awareness bit, how to have these application exercises so they could immediately grasp these concepts applied to their lives. And at the end of the day, high performance is a goal and also just enjoyment of sport or whatever they're into. Yeah, well, I've been there personally with like injuries in the past, uh, yeah. the many different sports that I've tried to play without, uh, throughout my school career. Some of them just... Uh, I've had a lot of, um, what is it, hamstring problems. Okay. And I was always, I missed out of my, so I transferred from uh, high school uh, my sophomore year, and that was like the last time I got to play soccer, and I was out with a hamstring injury, and I just sitting on the sidelines was like, God damn. Mm. I wish I, I was able to like spend the last time I would ever be at the school mm -hmm. playing soccer. I was like, <laughs> got to take better care of your body but also you can't blame right everything on what's going on yeah well i mean i've had multiple injuries throughout my career and it's funny injuries are a blessing and a curse you're obviously away from something that you love but ultimately um it's a moment where you step away from your sport and it gives you a moment to figure out who you really are and and what your purpose is and i think for me Every time I've had an injury, injury has been the same thing. I've been like devastated and, and kind of lost part of my identity only to realize that I'm the only one who defines who I am and, and my identity ultimately. But, but I agree. It's, it's tough. I didn't, I didn't, you know, step on the field for one minute, this Olympics and we won a gold and it was, it was a, a challenging tournament for me personally. Um, but at the same time, it was so incredibly rewarding because of all my mindfulness tools and self-awareness tools. I was able to make sure that every time I showed up for my team I was at my best and that takes a lot of work um, behind the scenes speaking of the Olympics last night I was re-watching the <laughs> penalty shootout between Sweden and Canada um, take me through the moment that Julia Grosso steps up to take that kick in and what happens after that you know what? It's funny. I, I had all the confidence in the world and Julia, I uh, have so much respect for her, but um, I also really respect our coaching staff because we were together for 45 days um, from the beginning of our like pre-camp to the end of the Olympics. And every day, every single person took three PKs like over and over and over. And, and our preparation for the PKs um, was incredible. And who knew if it was going to pay off, but ultimately it did. Right. And, and so I remember when Julia stepped up to the ball, I just, um, I was calm. I was of course working on my breathing techniques and my breathing tools, but I remember feeling like I knew that she had it. And the moment the ball went in, like just pure joy. I mean, I was sprinting as fast as I could to get to the rest of the team. And it was just such a um, united, connected 
uh, moment, but also win for all of us, you know, like we all had committed and, and done everything. And, and this was not a normal Olympics. I mean, it was the pandemic and it was when we had 45 days together, like we only had 45 days together. Like we weren't allowed to go anywhere. We weren't allowed yeah. to do anything else. So we had to be creative and come up with new ideas for hanging out or doing different activities so that we wouldn't, you know, go stir crazy. So it was, it was a, a challenging Olympics, but man, when she scored, it was just, um, it was cool. And for me, I've been playing with Canada for over 20 years. So I, I was like bawling uh, as we were celebrating just because, you know, my entire life has been dedicated to this and hope, hopefully helping the, the women's game. And it was just a fantastic moment. Hopefully, you know, this gold medal can bring some sort of professional league to Canada. I'm hoping to see that soon. Mm -hmm. um, I just, I, I think that Canada deserves a women's league, um, especially with the many talented people on your team, mm -hmm. especially uh, the fact that players have to either choose to stay in the U to go to the U.S. or go overseas or maybe just not play or try something else is just. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you look at all the other top countries in the world, right, and they all have leagues. And, um, you know, and for a long time, like Brazil didn't have a league, but now they have a growing league. And um, there's definitely interest in women's sport. I mean, the other day I was scrolling through Instagram and Barcelona Real Madrid Champions League game. They'd sort, they had sold at that point 85,000 tickets. I'm sure it's more now, right? And there is definitely an interest there. There's a lot of hurdles, of course, in Canada. We're a big country. We don't have a huge population. But I think, you know, we always claim to be this progressive country and we don't have any professional leagues. So, um you know, I think it's time for a change. It's sending the wrong message to all the young people, um, you know, girls, um, non-binary boys, like, you know, whatever, whoever, however you identify, like it's sending the wrong message to our young people across the country that we are only prioritizing boys sports and men's sports. Yeah. I'm hoping to see like an NWSL team in Toronto or maybe like yes, WNBA yes. Toronto team. Yes. The PHF is going to Montreal next season. So at least they, they got hockey going on for them. Yes. Yep. Um, time to step up the game, NWSL. Come on. <laughs> Do Amen. something. Amen. Amen. I want to talk about, um, let's see, my beautiful questions list. What do I want to ask you next? Let's see. Being outspoken. I want to know in terms of like mixing with mental health and talking about all these different issues does it ever get to you um is there any pressure that you feel like you always have to talk about certain issues no i've never felt that way um to be honest i feel very grateful that i've been put in so many boxes because um it gives me an opportunity to grow and learn um one of the most significant things ha that happened to me in the last two years was coiny coming out and I know that had nothing to do with me, but then it enabled me to, I mean, they wanted me and Quinn to write a transgender policy uh, for the national teams in Canada. And because I was in a queer community, assuming I would know everything about trans rights yeah. and I didn't. And it was a fantastic learning opportunity for me because I started reading what binary meant and non-binary and trans and the umbrella and, and gender identity and, and expression, all these things. And, and I realized how much I didn't know and, and so I'm, I'm so grateful because then I also looked inwardly and I was like, well, maybe I'm non-binary. And, and I think that's the whole point, you know, when you, you learn, you have to reflect and, and I'm so grateful for their courage to speak up and, um, 
and I know it wasn't easy for them and and they because they are not a lot about trans athletes um, and rightfully so look at the way that we're treating our trans youth across this country but um, you know there's not a lot of out trans athletes and so I think they carry Quinny carries the weight of the world sometimes but I have so much respect for them and grateful because it's helped me be more educated and, and learn more. I think um, with Quinn coming out, that meant a lot to me personally. Um, like, oh, there's someone like me mm -hmm. in the NWSL. Right. And it just makes everyone think a little differently about policies. I know that, what was it, the NCAA had mm -hmm. their trans policies come out yesterday. I was just like, eh, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know you do some work with Athlete Ally as well. Yeah. Um, and some other organizations. But I have another question about, you know, the Canadian national team. So on Twitter, I don't know if you've noticed this, but, with, you know, the teams have their own hashtags. Yeah. I've seen both the CANXNT and both the CANWNT. I'm curious to know if any of your teammates have, you know, discussed seeing this online and, you know, what it means to, to your team. Yeah, I mean, I think it's intentional on our end. We always want CANXNT because... Um, to support every person on our team. Um, that's really the, the reason, I think. And um, to be honest, if you look at sport, there's no place for trans people in sport. There's no support. There's, you know, we have a men's national team and a women's national team, and I, I can't imagine being in that position. So I think we're just doing our best to, first of all, raise awareness and be as accepting as we can until, um, you know, we start having transnational teams, um, well, in Canada, anyway. Yeah. Let's see. What do I want to move on to? The Sochi Olympics. I read about uh, the. There was an article in the CBC from I want to say 2015, talking about you coming out because of the gay propaganda laws in Russia. That's right. Um, I personally came out. I believe it was 2017. I was. I'm curious because I when I came out, I was like super anxious and. Like, oh my God, mental health basically is how I'm going to wrap that up. What, did you have to take any sort of precaution? Were you nervous? I just want to know more about Yeah. That. So I had been out like to my friends and family and anybody who knew me that uh, knew that I, at the time I knew I was dating women. And um, so I didn't necessarily need to come out to anybody, but I saw what happened in Sochi and um, I was appalled by the idea of not being able to celebrate my wins with my partner, whoever my partner was, you know, like it just seemed like it's a human right, you know? And um, so it kind of seemed like a no brainer. And um, the only reason I was hesitant about it because around the same time, like a number of people are coming out and it was almost like a celebrity stunt, you know, like, or a, um, to get more attention or whatnot. And, and so I was nervous about that. I didn't want it to be, misinterpreted um and i think the other reason is um you know my mom was always like a little bit worried and wanted to protect me and um and i think that was that was part of it and i also didn't want to be just identified as the gay athlete which ultimately ended up happening at first but um but that's i think how we kind of deal with things as human beings we label everything and that's how we feel a little bit more comfortable <laughs> to be honest but um but yeah when i decided to come out it was really just the notion like um, if enough people come out, then no one has to come out anymore. No one has to have that awkward conversation with your parents about mom, dad, or, you know, I'm gay. And, you know, like that conversation doesn't happen for every child, you know? And, um, so that was, that was the idea behind it. Um, 
And then I got just more involved in the community and recognized that it is important that visibility is everything. I mean, I started playing professional sports because I saw a female athlete on TV. So as soon as you see someone who was like you, um, it empowers you. It makes them relatable. It makes your mission, whatever that is in your life, more accomplishable. And, and I think that's an important message. I just went growing up. I was more of like my family watched baseball. So I was yeah. always watching the Sox on TV. Okay. Okay. Um, not the Cubs. We don't like the Cubs on this show. Okay. Um, no problem. <laughs> but I don't really watch baseball. Yeah, so. Baseball is very boring. I will admit to that. Um, but I was always watching men on the team and then the Chicago sky. I went to a game when I was little. I was like, wow, mm. there's women playing professional sports. I actually went to my first NWSL game this past year. Uh, cause I never had the opportunity to go. I found out that the Red Stars were in Bridgeview, which is like 45 minutes away. I'm like, okay, I'll go. The nice. first game I ever went to was the rescheduled match between Orlando and Chicago. Okay. Um, yeah. And it was quite the first game to go to. You right, know? right. Um, I'm curious to know with all of the nonsense, that's the word I'm going to use, that okay. has gone on, um, all the, the the good and the bad, what what helped you stay grounded during you know, the, the tough times during the season with all the, the stuff about the coaches and front office members going on while also having to play professionally? Yeah, I mean, I think what's changed in me um, was actually when I was marching in the Black Lives Matter parade when I was downtown Orlando. Um, I think for me, I've, I've noted a shift. I noticed a shift in myself and um, I'm so incredibly grateful for this shift because there's a moment I think in your life where you realize you don't know anything and that you can be doing more. And I think, um, and in that moment, you know, when you notice like I'm white and I'm privileged and I'm all this stuff and all the, you know, that your world's kind of blown open and um i'm so great it took me a long time to get there and i wish i had gotten there sooner obviously um but at the same time yeah i just feel like i have more purpose in my life and um i have a platform and i have a choice to use it to the best of my ability um and so many athletes do i mean some would argue that social media is a curse but it can also be a blessing if you use it in the right way um and i think you know um when everything was going on I am, am lucky because of the personalities on, on Orlando, everyone, there's some fantastic, I'm on your show, fantastic, solid human beings on that team. And ultimately we knew we just had to do what was best for everybody, for all of our players. We had to make sure people felt safe. And, um, you know, I know part of it was like people wanted the league to survive and they're brushing all this crap under the rug. And, um, and it just ended up hurting so many uh, fantastic people along the way. And, um, and what it proved is, um, you know, if you enough, have enough people standing together fighting for what's right, you win. Yeah, I just looking through social media during those times was kind of like, uh, I should probably put my phone down for yeah. a little bit. But also, like, I try my best to cover this, too. I, I've made a few episodes about, you know, the state of the league and, you know, what the players are trying to do as well. I know there's stuff going on with the CBA at the moment. I don't know if we're really allowed to talk about that. <laughs> Probably not. Probably but... not. I've seen like Meg Linehan talking about it online. I saw so, that. I saw um, that leaking stuff to the press. Who's yeah. doing that? Huh? Um, well, I hope the CBA goes well. And I hope that you all get what you uh, deserve because it's quite frankly 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, like the NWSL, as much as we do, we have an opportunity to make history and make a league that empowers and helps all people in our league get get to wherever they want to go. At the end of the day, you want high performing people and they, you want them to contribute to society. So that means you have to treat them with the utmost respect and, and, and treat them equally. So um, I think that's, that's the end goal. Um, I mean, of course, the football and the sport is one thing, but I always think it's much bigger than that. Um, when you have athletes, you're training people that can be leaders and help the society in the future. So um, I think we're getting there. Um, I think we will get there. Um, and at the end of the day, I think, um, my hope is that we all feel really happy walking away from this negotiation. Well, I'm rooting for you all. Because... It's my PC answer. Did you like that? <laughs> I'm rooting for you all because I care a lot about the players. I even bought, um, I had it with me. I didn't wear it at this convention, but I have a no side hustle shirt. Fantastic. I, I love it. Association because um, I believe that you all don't get enough respect in terms of. Thank you. Um, you know what, what's going on within the league the news coverage doesn't really help especially when they only talk about the ugly yeah i could go on and on i think i even made an episode about that me complaining about you know the lack of coverage mm. and it all starts locally as well 100 um, percent, it's a huge issue i think there's a miss i think it comes from this misconception that you know no one wants to watch women's sports yeah and that's wrong People want to watch women's sports. I know. Yeah. Well, statistically, even look at the, you know, the stats from the Olympics and people watching the final game and there's a huge interest there. So it's just about people that are willing to invest, you know, and maybe that means some of the broadcasting company or television companies, like, you know, whenever they're investing in and showing coverage of the men, they do for do the same for the women. And maybe it's not bringing in the same revenue, but eventually, if you give us a chance, it will. So uh, for me, it's investing in, in everyone. That's how it's going to make a big difference. I noticed during the season, um, well, this past season, the different pre-match tops that yes. the team was wearing. I want to learn more about, you know, who decided that was going to be a thing and um, why. Yeah, so we, um, you know, Tony Presley and I are um, reps for the Orlando team, and um, you know, we were kind of told, and it was part of the um, part of the agreement at the beginning of the year that the NWSL would would be happy if we wanted to do. We'd have to like go through the NWSL and get it approved and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, we could wear whatever warm up tops we wanted, and um, of course, you know, the season was full of um, yeah, a lot of different fights for. Uh, social justice and equality and, and you know anti-racism and just so many things and we had such a di diverse group um this season and so it was about representing everyone as much as we could so i mean they were really just group com conversations and you know it, it was um we really decided as a team and it made me incredibly proud to be part of that team i i think i saw from I don't know if it was like the starting 11 of posts on social, just seeing all these different shirts. I'm like, wait a second. I don't know if anyone else is noticing this. <laughs> they, they, they're wearing these different shirts each time they're playing. I'm like, that's really awesome. Um, yeah. And we did our best to, um, you know, I know we still have some auctioning opportunities, but yeah, raising awareness, raising funds. Um, I am really proud of the team and, and the organization for that. So you probably have the most interesting position in terms of starting 11 when it comes to being a goalie. Yes. Uh, you get to see everything that's going on uh, on the field. 
Um, I want to know during that time when people are on the other side of the field, what are you thinking about? Are you planning on, oh, like what's going to happen next? Are you like trying to go fast forward to see what, what's going to go on in the right. game? Well, um, I mean, you know, I was talking about mindfulness before. I think we're all at our best and enjoy life the most when we're in the moment. Right. And so for me, I mean, training is one thing. And sometimes yeah. I'll be like singing Beyonce and I'll be like in my zone, you know, but then, but then when in the games, for the most part, anyway, I'm working on my breathing or I have certain tools where I'm just really in the moment. And I, you know, I'm of the age now, I'm 38 years young and um, I've had three ACL surgeries. I've had a right bank heart shoulder surgery. And like literally every time I step on the field, it's a gift. And I never know when it's going to be my last moment. So more than anything, I just try to stay in the moment the whole time and smile. I remind myself to smile sometimes and recognize, you know, this is the best job in the world. And, and um, any moment could be my last on the field. So I just try to soak it in. In terms of um, taking the position that you currently play right now, is there anyone that you try to model your game off specifically? Um, I like to take from a lot of people and I'm going to, I'm going to give a shout out to Kaylin Sheridan, my, uh, who I think is absolutely fantastic and it's going to be the future of our program and um you know and i think i'm sure she's watched ederson and and i've absolutely loved working with ashlyn harris and um there are a lot of goalkeepers like you know loris is a little bit more old school and schmeichel is i mean i w wish i was as led as athletic as him and and even like pickford some of his decisions with his feet I, everyone was asking me like, who's your team? And I, I just, I'm like team GK, you know, I just, I just love watching goalkeeping and, and it's constantly evolving. And I'm always like, what's the next best thing. And, and so for me, um, I'm just looking for inspiration and, and that can come from anyone in any league. The, the thing that when I was being a goalie, even though yep. I was JV and sophomore in high school, yeah, it's all good, um, yeah. is like preps for PKs. Yeah. I, I had one PK in my whole career, very short-lived career. Yeah. Um, and I let it go and I went the wrong way. Yeah. Um, how do you decide which way to go? Well, um, you know, and you saw this Olympics. I thought Steph Lavi did a fantastic job with the PKs. And, um, you know, we, there's a lot more information out there now. Mm -hmm. um, I think years ago, I think it was really just about guessing. And it is still a little bit about guessing, but you know, now with VAR, you got to keep one foot on the line. Yeah. And um, I think you try to wait as long as you can because some shooters now cha will change their direction depending on which way the keepers go. So stay as long as possible. And then you have a more informed decision. Like the amount of scouting that goes on now for PK shooters is way better than it's ever been. There's more information than there's ever been on players. So, um, so you are technically guessing, but um, you know, I think keeper coaches, help you out a little bit uh from the side or wherever they're at so um so there's also that yeah well i saw a picture on twitter the other day of someone's water bottle i can't i think it was like a men's team they had a a different like chart of where the person the their top uh, penalty shooters go I'm right like, allowed to do that? yeah i've seen that trick before i have seen that before yeah yeah and i think like you know like some keepers have love bags and they put their info in there yeah. and i'm not really sure what's like against the rules but um yeah there's a lot of tricks out there in terms of training for um being a goalie what are some things that you do what are some things that i do um specifically anything that is more like um you do a lot of running for example because i when i was a goalie yeah school, going back to my beautiful high school days i didn't run as much as everyone else right. i don't know if that was a good thing or a bad thing 
but well i mean the cool thing about also this time is like like there's they're investing so much more money in women's sport and in sport in general right and the science side of things yeah. and and i used to do all the same running you know i I used to be a very good runner, surprisingly. Um, and I was running, doing the same runs as midfielders on my team. You know, we'd go for 60 minute runs and I would like keep up with the top ones on the team and, but which was great and everything, but why was I doing that? You know, I'm, I'm a sprinter essentially. If you look at goalkeepers, we, we are explosive sprinters. So um, a lot of long distance running actually, um, you know, it builds our, um, like our slow twitch muscles, which is what we don't want. Right. So now fitness is, I still run a lot, sadly. I uh, can't get away from it. You really can't. Um, as I've gotten older, I try to reduce the amount of impact. So sometimes that's biking or swimming. Um, but ultimately it's more, I do more in, interval based um, running. And I also do sprints. I do a lot of sprints um, and not a lot of the long distance running anymore. But when I am retired, whenever that will be, I'll definitely like trail running. is like, Oh, my jam. That's my jam. So I'll get into that again. One day. You've played soccer in many different parts of the world. Yes. I want to know what the toughest league has been for you. Ooh. Well, I would say ooh, toughest league in what sense <laughs> do you mean the toughest? Um, wow. You're asking me questions now. I thought that was That's my right. job. I didn't say, I didn't send you my questions on the Google drive. Shoot, um, shoot, shoot. Well, you're gonna have to send me those. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. My bad. Not before the interview. I like. What to do I mean by toughest? Um, well, let's put it this way: when I hear toughest, like the Bundesliga was fantastic, but I'm Canadian, right? So we're not quite as friendly as Americans, I would say, but we're pretty friendly, right? And I would say that Germans are um, a little bit more standoffish, like once once they let you in you're in for life right mm -hmm. and and swedes i would argue are the same but for me that was really hard it was really hard being in a new place didn't know anybody um and so generally on my i played in two teams in germany and i hung out with a lot of the internationals because <laughs> we were the same like oh, no one was to hang out with us um so that was challenging i think from a life perspective, I was also going through a divorce when I was in Germany. So like there was a lot of stuff on the side that was, that made it challenging. Um, as far as competition, I think, um, <laughs> good, to see you. good to see you, mate. <laughs> hey, let's text soon. Okay. Sounds good. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, as far as competitive leagues, like, um, you know, I was, I was in the Dumbo Svenskin like 10 years ago eight years ago and at that time it was very very competitive from top to bottom but i would argue now that from top to bottom the nwsl is probably the most competitive like every single game is a game you know what i mean it's hard it's you're not going to like breeze through any game so in that sense i think the nwsl is fantastic and the toughest league i've probably played it all right now with all the hard questions out of the way it's time for the lightning round oh so, my gosh i'm not good at these things okay let's it's, do the, it. it's the best part of the episode in my opinion yeah i'm gonna ask you questions can i answer quick and if you don't we oh move well. on okay oh well oh God. i want to know if there's a book you're reading right now or an audiobook that you're listening to that you would like to recommend for the listeners yeah i would steve uh stephen king on writing he i mean every most people know stephen king fantastic writer he um writes literally like how to write but he also has a bit of an autobiography in there and he's i haven't i haven't read any of his his other like big hits but it's it's he's a fantastic writer check it out i would what is your go-to song for match days 
Oh, go to on match days. Um, I like Shake It Out by um, Florence and Machine. Shake it off, shake it off. You know that one? Yeah. Okay. That was free. You know, there is. I like the lyrics too. I am, you know, I'm one of those cheesy ones that listens to all the lyrics. Yeah. Is there any um, specific team, what's it called, ritual that you guys do before the start of games? Team ritual? Like so, that's something that you all do together before the game starts. Um, not really, actually. Nothing? Oh, sorry. Not really. Well, warm-ups, I guess, could count. We do warm-up. Yeah, warm-ups. We warm-up. We get ready it. for the game. That's right. That's right. Sorry, not not too uh, entertaining. Everyone's so different now, you know, and every yeah. like everyone's so individual about their warm-ups. So, I mean, we do a team cheer, but I think that's kind of it. To be honest. What's the team cheer? Uh, again, one, two, three, Canada. That's very creative. And then with yeah. the pride, I think it's basically the same. Yeah. I'll, I'll talk to the team. Maybe we need to work on that. Creative minds um, yeah. Yeah. in the NWSL and oh, national yeah. team. So yeah. you heard it here first. Yeah, exactly. Um, if the, I know that you have played overseas, but if there's a certain league that you wish that you played in, mm. um, what is it and why? Yeah, I actually had an opportunity to play with Lyon years ago, um, but I had like a nagging shoulder thing. And so I decided to just take a few months rest. And um, I don't regret it, but I, I would have loved to play at Lyon if in France. Were, yeah. Yeah. If they're um, with the, of course, I hope there's new kits for all the NWSL teams this year. But if you would have the opportunity to design one, mm. what is something specific that you would put on there? Ooh, I mean, I would want it to be like turquoise. I love turquoise. And as far as, um, I think sound waves are actually pretty cool. Um, of what? I'm not sure. But, uh, well, you know, like years ago, Canada had this really cool um, national team jersey. And on the side, they actually had the Canadian anthem. Yeah. Um, you know, the sound waves. And I thought that was so cool. So something along those lines. I have probably. to check that out. I've never heard of that. I'm going to look it yeah, up. Yeah, it's after. really, really cool. It's cool. Alrighty. I know you got a lot of tattoos. Which one is your favorite? Um, I have one on uh, the back of my arm. It's a replica of one of Gustav Klimt's pieces of art. I think that's probably my favorite. Um, the woman is half naked in it. So when I got it, my mom wasn't that happy about it, actually. She was like, there's a boob on your arm, Aaron. And I was like, well. Um, but I love that one. And then I, I'm a big fan of Jean-Michel Basquiat like the artist and so I have a few crowns um and every once in a while I can be a bit of a queen so I, I think those are probably my faves and then another follow-up <laughs> on that is if you're looking for the next tattoo what do you want to get yes um I am looking to get another one um come as you are um it is inspired of course by Kurt Cobain and the Nirvana uh that song but I like it because it's a it's a it's a kind of uh, attacking culture and um you know all these social constructs that exist and um it's really you know just come as you are how you, you know uh, i like that idea finally if you weren't playing soccer professionally what would you be doing oh man um i'm not totally sure i have a few answers i, I love art i really love to sing um, and I love um, activism, all of which uh, I probably would get paid the same amount or less um, if I wasn't doing soccer. It's not about the money, um, but if I could swing being an artist, I would 
I would love it. Or like, you know, the, the artists in the like 80s and 90s were all types of artists. Like Basquiat, I loved him because he was like a painter. He was a musician. Uh, he made movies. He did everything. You know, there was no uh, no limits to anything. So that would be cool. Now it's time for you to plug away, say whatever you want. Social, uh, Mindful Project, oh, where goodness. you can find that. I know you have your own podcast as well. I do. So uh, my personal Instagram is, uh, what is it? At Aaron McLeod one And then if you want to check out anything on the Mindful Project, we have curriculums for all ages actually now. And we're really proud to have everything online. Um, you can check us out at themindfulproject.us underscore mindful project is our Instagram, or you can email me directly, Aaron at the mindful project.us and three sides with Aaron McLeod. You can find that on Spotify or Apple or whatever, however you listen to your podcasts uh, that comes out once every two weeks. Did I cover it all? I, I think I got it all. <laughs> I mean, that's all I'm, I'm stuff, doing a lot so of stuff, you know, so it's hard to linked. know. Awesome. Awesome. All that will be in the description down below. Now is the time for my spiel. That's what I call it. Um, I, I have to pause for a second and like raise my voice like a little bit. I'm going to stop for a second. And if you want to follow me on social media, guess what? You can. I'm on three different platforms on Twitter and Facebook. It's the same handle. It's at WSM Podcast on Instagram. You can follow me at Women Sports Matter. I also have a YouTube channel. You want to watch this interview? Of course you do. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's the Women's Source Center podcast. We are 19 subscribers strong. I, I would like some more subscribers. Come please, on. Please and thank you. Um, you got to watch these interviews. They're entertaining and you can see like what the person looks like if you don't know. Subscribe now. Like. Where's the button here? Um, or here. Somewhere. There. I think, it, I think it's on your side. This actually. right here? No. Or down there. there. <laughs> In, all right subscribe now down, in the corner down below um so you should probably do that i mean if an olympian says so then i think you should do it that's right anyway we got some awesome resources linked down below do you want to register to vote of course you do there's a link for that need to get your vaccine there's a link for that down down below there's a link for the nwslpa um trevor project nami also a bunch of other great stuff and there's also a list of places you can find this show amazing and subscribe awesome. and subscribe if aaron says to do it then you have to do it okay okay great i'm glad that we agree and finally uh make sure you rate the podcast on spotify and apple Podcasts. leave me a review tell me how i'm doing my time at the united soccer coaches convention has come to an end i'm a little sad but I get, I get to go home and sleep in my own bed for the first time in four days. So I'm a little excited about that. I really appreciate it. Yeah, in the freezing cold. <laughs> it's going to be really it's gonna be really cold. And I have to drive home at what, like 9 o'clock? Yeah, from Chicago to the Burbs. Not fun. Not fun at all. Um, but again, I want to thank the United Soccer Coaches for inviting me to this convention. I really, really appreciate it. Um, I've met some, some extraordinary people. And I can't wait to see this podcast grow. Thank you again to listening, for listening to another episode of the Women's Sports Center Podcast. I'm your host, Giannabel Castro. I really appreciate you all uh, following along my journey at the convention. I'll see you guys next time with the wrap-up of Season 3. That's all, folks. See you next time. Bye.